0: On this episode, Dan Duran from ISSA joins us to discuss what are the biggest mistakes in the fitness industry that's costing about 70% of coaches to quit after 90 days. The three Ps to having a long lasting business in fitness. And finally, we discuss what makes ISSA different than some of their competitors when it comes to education. As always, if this helped you or this episode helped you brought you value in any way, please do me a favor, share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey everybody, welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. As you may know, if you're a returning guest, we have two show formats here. Uh, solo episodes where it's just me we're going pretty deep on specific topics of finance tax wealth management giving you strategies that you can actually implement and then like today obviously as you clicked on it we also have guest episodes where either they're someone that's a colleague of yours or someone that helps support your industry and today we're joined with vice president of content and partnerships at issa and ultra ironman runner dan duran how are you I'm great. Thanks a million for having me, Pat. This is, uh, is going to be a lot of fun. I can already tell. Yeah. Uh, well, it was cool. We met, I guess it was last July, right? In Vegas? Yeah. You yeah. had the yeah. idea, An event. idea, I believe. Yeah. That was That was cool because you were one of the only people that was very open to the reason I approached you, which was to try to find a way for programs like ISA to use 529 plan money, since so many parents out there have them and potentially can't use them for their kids if, you know, if they decide to go into fitness or any sort of trade.
1: Which is a shame. And I I certainly did some digging. I went to a financial person that I work with who has been doing it for decades. So I figured I'd pick his brain. Um, And he sent me some links and I connected with our director of certification here at ISSA. And we just weren't able to connect the dots to make it work, which is unfortunate because personal training or uh coaching you know health coaching helping people is a largely in demand b hugely needed and c is definitely an opportunity to create a career that's that's why I'm here and um it's unfortunate that that we can't find a way to reimburse that or, or categorize it the same
0: way we would other types of education I I think that's going to change because th- that str- that struggle is across the board and with the rising cost of education, I think a lot of parents of young kids, and like that's why a lot of clients of mine, they don't know if they're going to send their like one-year-old to college. Like the trajectory that we're on right now, people are like, I'm not sure this is a valuable use of resources.
1: Well, it, 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 I am that parent right now. So uh, two of my kids already got through college, but every year those tuitions rates go up it becomes harder and harder. And I have a junior and we're, we're college shopping and we're trying like hell to get him a scholarship from lacrosse, just a partial something. And then academic. So we've impressed on him the importance of grades. So he's been a 4.0 student his entire high school career and we expect it to stay that way. (laughs) (laughs) But he's doing a great job of keeping those grades up. But even, even with, you know, an accomplished athlete and, uh, Great grades. Unless you're going full rider at D1 school, you're only getting partial scholarships. Let me tell you, some of these schools are insane. The, the local one we want want him to go to. That's been talking to him. It's over almost fifty thousand dollars a year. A year just for the you know the tuition and and uh, housing. It's it's absolutely nuts. Yeah. And I just told this story literally an hour ago. I'm a, I'm an outdoors dude, and uh, I love to spend as much time as I can outside, particularly in the mountains. My wife and i go camping uh, the family does every time we go up i'm pulling my little 20 year old pop-up trailer that i gotta crank up right and hope that it doesn't leak this year and i'm parked right next to these massive caravans these beautiful big trailers being pulled by these one-ton beautiful trucks and you know what every one of them has a sticker on the side that says plumbing electrical hvac contracting they're trades tradesmen tradespeople right And so my you know my son picks up on that we talk about it we work with our hands a lot we do a lot of steel and woodwork and stuff here on the ranch and he's like dad what if i want to do that that's the conundrum what if i want to do that you can't say well you're not going to make any money at it because they're the ones rolling in the the you know the
0: palaces behind the one tons and it's likely that their pay is going to go up because there's less people going into that and the demand is still there if not increasing so absolutely those People, especially if they have the entrepreneurial side of it, they're they're probably going to be making significantly more.
1: Agreed. And and so our role, because I do see and value uh, an education, college yeah. education, even though it's so dang expensive, is okay if you want to you know uh, be a mechanic or you want to be a, you know build things or whatever that may be. If you want to go into the trades, you're still going to get a business degree. Because if you truly want to make it in those trades, you need to own your own business. That's that's those folks that are rolling in those palaces, they own those companies. Yeah, and and that's you've got to get the business degree because just like in personal training, great trainers aren't necessarily good at business. Yeah, and good managers and business folks um, often aren't the trainers. So having both skill sets is really important if you want to be successful.
0: Absolutely, I was on a call yesterday with a client's young son getting them investing early and so we're like just explaining it and i asked him i was like what do you think the greatest wealth creator is in the country and he named all the like real estate stocks I'm like no it's business ownership like think of the richest people that you can think of the bezos the elons like they didn't buy a stock and wait for it to go up a gazillion percent they started something that went up a gazillion percent and so I know it's cool seeing young people like i didn't have that education or information when i was his age so neither did
1: i i was brought up in a very blue collar very blue collar my dad was a farm worker my mom uh you know was a secretary that worked her way up but what i was taught was uh get get a job Get a job young, that has benefits and it's steady, that has some opportunity, if possible, for upward mobility. Do your best, show up early, all those things, you know, work your butt off and stay with them. So be a good soldier. I was trained to be a good soldier, I call it. And and to this day, that's where I my comfort zone. I'm not comfortable with entrepreneurship. I'm a soldier. uh, which is why I'm never gonna have one of those palaces behind my one (laughs) time.
0: Well, that's a perfect segue because we sort of jumped ahead, but tell us, tell us about your background. What got you into fitness? Cause I know you didn't start in fitness as as I understand from your bio.
1: Yeah, no, yeah. It's a long one. So I'm going to do my best to keep it brief. So uh, a couple of key points though, that, that I want to, that map to what we were just talking about. So um, when I was, 16, 17 years old. I uh, worked at a gas station and there was a a fishery biologist that used to get gas at our our gas station. And I would always bug him and say, I'd love to do what you do because I love being outdoors and so forth. And uh, I lucked out. Uh, When I turned 18, he offered me a a, a ability to apply for a seasonal position with the state. So I I skipped a grade. So at 16, I was uh, I think I was 17 for a month when I finished high school. So I was in my first year of college and um got a job with the state which in you know my mom who i told you how i was raised was like oh my gosh you're set for life and so i thought oh my gosh i'm set for life (laughs) so i started with the state they have retirements they have benefits all those things at 18 years old and so i saw my trajectory and i actually quit worrying about school i'm like i don't need a degree because I've got a job. I was going to school to get a job, but now I have a job, and it's a great job. So I didn't finish, you know, I went a couple of years, but I didn't get a degree. Uh, I put in, I think, 10 years, maybe seven years, uh, working my way up in in with the California Department of Fish and Game, and became interested in the law enforcement piece of it. Uh, I was running my own fish hatchery on the Russian River. I promoted very quickly. I uh, had a pretty cool gig living at the base of a dam in God's country in Hillsburg. And I thought, you know what? This looks kind of cool. And I ended up um, getting to know some folks. They said, you've got to get at least an associate's degree. So I went back to school. School was easy then because I was more mature. I wasn't drinking all the time. I uh, knocked that piece out of it. Fast forward, I got hired as a, a game warden, and then, um, which was an excellent career, and quickly promoted again and uh, ran a police academy. Within, I think, seven years, I ran our academy and, and taught at other police academies. Part of that was teaching fitness. And so I taught fitness to firefighters at other colleges and academies, and I taught it at ours and all the other skills that go along with um, physical law enforcement training. And I developed a real love and a passion for teaching and training. I absolutely love training people, particularly anything movement-based. And then what, what really bit me in the butt was alcohol. So I uh, progressively drank more like on weekends or every other weekend. And so here I am, I'm 40 years old. I called myself a high-speed, low-drag ninja warrior. I was lifting weights seven days a week. I was taking martial arts three, four days a week. I was teaching martial arts a few days a week. I was beating myself to death. And then about once a month, I'd go on a drinking bench. So I gained 50 pounds. I had diverticulosis, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. 12 years of chronic back
0: pain. I was an absolute mess. Were you able to and, keep your, I mean, obviously whatever you're comfortable talking about, but were you able to keep your job while you were on the benders?
1: No, well, I didn't work. I would be on a weekend. Oh, or on oh, okay. a sick day. Yeah. I'm not on the job now. And, and so it was, you know, I it would be a long weekend. Uh, and it was, I didn't drink every day. It's what we call in the world of the addiction of alcohol addiction, a periodic. Okay. So periodically, I do what maybe a college kid does on a weekend, but I could drink a hell of a lot more than you could. I mean, <laughs> that, because my tolerance was so great and my body was just breaking down on the inside. Wow. So it got to work.
0: Fitness? You said you're working out. So yeah, you would like wake yeah, up. I was
1: still pumping iron, but my wow. body was broken, but I was still, pumping. yeah, I was lifting That's insane. at least six days a week. Uh, but what would happen is I'd go on a bender. I would take a couple of days off the gym. Cause I felt like crap. Um, and then I go, oh, Hey, you know, I'm fine. Got all my, my size back. I'm feeling good. I don't have a problem. That was just a, you know, long weekend. Um, but my health, the doctors told me otherwise, and I had to do something. So I had been asked, told many times, you should be a personal trainer on the side. Um, you know, you like training, you like lifting weights, you like training people. So I started going through a certification program and then uh, finally I hit rock bottom to where I couldn't get out of a a drinking binge and ended up, you know, switching careers and trying it. I said, I'll try it. If not, I'll go back to teaching at a police academy or
0: something rather than. uh, Meaning you went into personal training. That's when you retired from California.
1: Yep. Yep. I retired at 40. I actually got my retirement at 50, but I retired at 40. And went into fitness and okay. started as a personal trainer. Um, and using everything I learned from uh, training people in the academy, most important being a, being a professional, which is largely missing, uh, I quickly scaled my business. And within four or five months was the most successful trainer the club had ever had. And they have been around for, I think, 35 years. Uh, I had replaced my income. And That's I've, amazing. I had a pretty good living with the state. So I was teaching weight loss classes at night, personal training uh, during the day, and was you know doing six figures uh, within a sh- very short time period. So what did they do? They promoted me. I became a fitness director very quickly. Uh, I was in the fitness director role for, uh, I think, three years or something like that, um, two big clubs, and then came into the world of education. So here I am. Basically, I quit drinking at 40. I was broken, and I uh, got into uh, understanding the importance of recovery—not just killing yourself in the gym—and by a, a great mentor of mine named Rodney Korn, who uh, really mentored me all along the way and changed my life. So, fitness recovery saved my life. Exercise saved my life, and that got me into the ultra world, which I imagine we'll talk about. But that's that's how that that started.
0: That's. That's perfect because that's exactly the, the second thing I wanted to talk about. So you do—I don't even know what this is. You've done two double Ironmans. That I get one triple Ironman and a quintuple Ironman. Yes, so you got to tell us about these. That's yeah, yeah. That so, sounds pretty intense.
1: Well, so my uh, my journey into endurance. So I did not run or any of that stuff
0: um you're mostly
1: into before, lifting back in the day i was all into lifting and martial arts okay percent my cardio was hitting a, and kicking a punching bag which works great sure a little hard on the knees and elbows and shoulders but it's great for cardio but that was my cardio you only run the are being chase right i mean <laughs> you just don't run uh but i was also uh, certified in an instructor through the fbi and they would make me do a five mile run every year um and then through the fbi yeah. And then okay. for state state diver as a scuba a specialty diver, I had to do a certain length swim. And uh, so there was some physical testing I had to do every year. And so there's your swimming and your running, which I hated. And I was not good at. I mean, I, I'd get ill the night before the swim test. I was past it, but I was terrible at it. I got into fitness and one of my first clients hired me and said, I want to do my first Ironman. He was six, seven 270 pounds. So I looked this cat up and down and I was like, you want to do an Ironman, man okay um first of all brian i know nothing about running biking or swimming but i can make you stronger i can help you you know with injury prevention i can give you the mindset uh, to to never give up but you're gonna have to get some coaching on running biking and swimming all right so we did it he did it he did his first Ironman, man and he, did, uh, he you know a few months later i'm training him and i go what'd you do this weekend brian six seven, 270 okay, this is not a small dude. And he goes, oh, you know, I was at my house in San Diego and I, I got up to go take a walk on the beach and they were having a triathlon. So I borrowed this dude's beach cruiser and I did an Olympic triathlon. I'm like, okay, if this guy at 6'7", 270, can do an Olympic Ironman on a beach cruiser without training for it, I can go do a 5K.
0: How far is an and Olympic triathlon? It's, uh,
1: it's like a half mile, less than a half a mile swim, 24 mile bike
0: and a 10K run. So six mile run and he just did this in his sneakers on a whim
1: yeah on a whim so i'm like all right i can do a 5k and i have was also training some other people for half marathons i was training another guy for an iron man or i mean for a a triathlon so i'll give it a try and it the, the bug bit me i did a 5k i did a 10k i did a half i swear i'd never go longer than that i did a marathon
0: I did a sprint triathlon. So at this point, you're just never, doing the runs. You say like a, like a regular. I, no, I'm doing
1: the whole thing now. After a year, I'm already dabbling oh, wow. in Olympic, in, in triathlon, and sprint, short sprint triathlons, running, biking, swimming. And I loved it. And if you, you know, I know there's a podcast, but for the listeners out there, I'm 6'1, I'm 215, I'm 220 when I'm at my biggest, 220, 222. Uh, my race weight is about 210. I'm not a small guy. I'm built like a linebacker, not a triathlete. But I wanted to do it, and I got hooked. And what what made me want to go longer, Pat, it was never hard enough.
0: That's amazing.
1: I wanted to cross the finish line and totally collapse and just, like, be unconscious and be like, all right, that was cool. And it just wasn't <laughs> happening. I'd finish, I'd cross the finish line. I'd be tired, but I'd be sore the next day. But it just wasn't enough. So I kept going longer and longer and longer. And then I did my first Ironman. I did it in Cozumel. Across the finish line. I'm like, okay, that was tough. But I'm still standing.
0: How long did it know. take you?
1: Oh, man. How long did it take me? I think it was 13 hours, 12, 13 hours.
0: <laughs> and you're like, I don't feel terrible but, enough.
1: <laughs> nah, I was still, I was fine. Yeah, I was, a little, I was definitely sore the next day. But at, at the event, I just didn't feel. And I came from a world of high-speed, low-drag ninja warrior, right? I want to be physically and emotionally taxed. I want to be, I was an adrenaline junkie. I want to be like just done. So I was out jogging with somebody after that Ironman and they said, Hey, you know, they actually have longer ones. I'm like, Oh yeah. So I found out about the ultra world. I went and did a single Ironman at a double Ironman event, met the coordinators, learned about it, watched them. I wasn't planning on doing a single Ironman. I was just going to go watch, but he talked me into it. Um, it kicked my butt because I wasn't trained the, for it. No, but.
0: Do, how does that work? So do you is everything just double the length or Doubled, do you, do, it, do, you yeah. do the whole thing twice?
1: So there's two formats. You can actually do it either way. Okay. More common is the continuous, especially for the shorter ones, which is double interval, believe it or not. So like instead short.
0: of those swim being two miles, it's four? Yep. Wow.
1: Yep. So I, I did my first double Ironman, which is a 4.8-mile swim. Uh, The bike is two hundred and twenty-five four miles I think I'm trying to looking at my medals here I think it's (laughs) 224 and then the run is 52 miles it's two two marathons um that was cool
0: so you did you did it that way you you got like all the swimming done all the biking done even though it was double the length. okay but some people do you said like they'll do it just in a loop one a days yeah
1: yeah they don't do it as much for the doubles and triples they tend to do that more for five and above where they do one a days but I like the continuous personally it just that's where i wanted to, to do each event by itself i get that um, yeah and i mean it it, it was hard uh, it was 35 hours or 32 hours or something uh, with no sleep and um it was awesome it, you know it felt good <laughs> but it, it wasn't hard enough even the double so the double, even the double. it just wasn't enough uh, so then i of course had to graduate to the triple where do they now, hold now that you? sucker is hard that suckers hard.
0: Where did you That's, have to go to do the triple?
1: So the first double was in Virginia. Uh, my triple was in Virginia. What? Uh, my time second of year?
0: double was in. Uh, do they make uh, you? Those battle? are November. November.
1: Yeah, that so, one was
0: November. Yeah. What was the weather was like? November. I feel like November is
1: perfect. It was raining a little bit, but it was it was pretty
0: nice. It not was too cold. It wasn't bad.
1: It wasn't okay. bad. Yeah, October, November. But I do have a story about a, a tough one in the heat. So. <laughs> preparing for the triple i decided to do a double on the the hardest course in north america the one i said i will never do i'd done singles on it but i was like i am never doing this because of the hill climbing it's just brutal when you weigh 210 pounds that just is really hard on your legs right so i thought well if i'm going to prep for a triple why not do this double and uh uh it it was 106 degrees uh 17 started what city that was it, it that was near portland it was in a small town outside of oregon in june Jeez. It was 106 degrees, 17 of us started, five finished. There were people laying on the side of the road, just <laughs> crawled out, sucking wind, going, I, I'm done. But and that, that was, was the double. Tough. That was a double. That was the double on the hardest course. No sleep. So check it out, Pat. I finished the race. I sat in the lawn chair and I passed out. I went unconscious. And I'm like, yeah, I'm onto something <laughs> here. You know, I, I almost fell out of the lawn chair. They picked me up. I had blisters on the tops and bottoms of my feet. It looked like I had some kind of disease. I mean, it was gnarly. So I'm like, okay, I'm on to something here. Uh, the triple, you, I slept for 20 minutes in 60 hours, in two and a half days. That one was tough. You said two and a half days? Two and a half days, nonstop. Nonstop. 20-minute nap. Nonstop. That was cool, uh, but it still wasn't enough. So I went for the Quinn. And uh, I got my money's worth out of that. I did pass out completely unconscious um, after a, a bike, transitioning from bike to run, fell on the ground. Uh, my wife thought I was dead, uh, woke me up. I finished the race. And I'm like, yeah, that was cool. So
0: that's was the, the journey. When was the it, quintuple?
1: Uh, two and a half, three years ago, just pre-COVID.
0: Yeah. Oh, cool. And so, and what so do you, that where, where one you is, went? If you don't mind, you don't have to say. Yeah, but.
1: I think I was 49.
0: Damn, good for you. Yeah,
1: I think I was 49 or 50. I think impressive. so.
0: How many people started the quintuple and finished it?
1: I think we all finished it
0: and uh, I, think level. I think there was four of us just four yeah wow.
1: yeah it's you don't have a big a lot of people doing these things have it's you kind of
0: crazy have you ever auditioned for I don't know a lot about it I would just but I recently finished uh David Goggins' book like like uh-huh. the bad water and stuff like are you at at this point eligible for those sorts of yeah. events
1: yeah and I thought about bad water uh I did I gave it some thought I don't know you know, we'll see down the line. That's definitely sounds like an I, and 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 let's just be clear. I don't win any of these races. Okay, I'm <laughs> usually last or close to last. I mean, and I don't do them. It's completely. a win,
0: in my opinion. You're getting across the finish yeah, line. That's pretty so
1: cool. Yeah. So the the bad definitely got my attention. Goggins is a very unique, great book, hell of an athlete. But yeah, the, the my my bucket list. I'm still not done. Is to do the DECA which is 10, 10, and You Iron get uh, 14 days to go 10 <laughs> times the distance of an Ironman. Yeah. And That's they do cool those effort. in, uh, Mexico, they do them in other countries and there we may, my buddy, my buddy, the financial planner is also, he's done a triple DECA, So he sent 30 Ironmans in a row. Um, he may host another one here in, uh, in the South in the future. So we'll see the deck is still on my radar. But but I'll kind of finish with this. Uh, the quintuple is a, a twelve mile swim, and that took me uh, eight hours and fifteen minutes. And uh, you don't stop, obviously, just to drink and, and eat something real quick. The bike was five hundred and sixty miles. That took me, uh, I think, just over two days. And and a horrible weather. That's a whole other story. But um, and it rained, ice. It was gnarly. This is also in and Virginia. Then, uh, that no, that was in uh, uh, shoot. Why am I drunk? New Orleans. Oh, okay. it was near. It was in Louisiana, but it was freak weather. Freak storm came out of nowhere. And I'm a hunter, and I, the only cold weather water clothes I have is camouflage for hunting. So I was the only cat out there wearing camo head to toe. Um, it was crazy. And then the the run is 131 miles,
0: and that took me two and a half days. Uh, two days, yeah when you're out there doing that 12 mile swim do they have boats following you guys make sure because i would imagine that's probably the least or the most likely that you could drown or something
1: yeah good question so we normally do everything open water except the deca once you get to a deca because you swim all night it's unsafe to be out in the lake at night but because the quin you could do during all daylight hours we had planned to do it at the lake there Poncha train, I think it's called in, in uh, near New Orleans, but that freak storm, we had to find a backup plan. So we, I swam at a 24 hour fitness swimming pool, 12 miles. Gotcha. But yes, normally you do really small loops and you have kayakers out there watching everybody. Yeah. So they're small loops to be able to keep your eyes on everyone. That's crazy. That's fun.
0: That's pretty cool. So you have one on the, on the calendar, your next event. It's
1: not on the calendar yet. Right now, uh, well, not the DECA. So right now what I've been doing is uh, ultra trail runs. I'm in Idaho and before that I was in Colorado. So like when I was in Colorado, I did the Leadville Marathon a couple of times, which is tops out at just under 14,000 feet. So you run straight up a mountain, well, up and down a bunch of mountains. Then you go up a tall mountain, uh, so the air is very thin and then you come back down. Lance Armstrong was out there running it with me, not with me, but on the same course, the second year I ran it. So I've kind of got into these trail runs. they are a lot of fun and uh, they have quite a few of them. So I have some ultra trail runs on the calendar for this year. I did some the last two years here in Idaho.
0: That's so cool. And yeah. somehow you do all this training and you travel constantly for ISSA. Yeah. We were talking about that yeah. before the we hit record. So, yeah. So tell, tell us about what you do for ISSA. Like, obviously, you're your training and also constantly on the road. Obviously, we met when you were visiting Vegas for the idea fit. So, yeah. tell us what you do for ISSA. Or, for people that aren't familiar, what is the International Sports sure. Science Association?
1: Yeah. So, we are a 34 year old company founded by a world record holder a power lifter. Uh, Dr. Fred Hatfield, they called them Dr. Squat. So if you're at my age and you were into powerlifting, you were always looking forward to the magazine where Fred Hatfield would talk about powerlifting or write some some, some articles or science or seeing pictures of him break the world record squatting a 1,000 pounds. So he and another guy founded the ISSA, Dr. Salaria, and we were basically a certified personal trainer uh, type of education. So people that want to train other people in gyms or in person, for almost 30 years. And then we underwent some new leadership. We have a phenomenal CEO that took us in the direction of much more education. And we added in short order 20 plus specializations. So corrective exercise, strength and conditioning, nutrition, behavior change, yoga, cycling, you name it, we have it. Wow! So we, we, we specialize in online education certifications for folks that want to train other people. Um, what I do here, it's kind of a mixed role. Uh, I do attend trade shows and events uh, and try to meet new partners. Um, I also do a lot of speaking. So I, I do sessions at these trade shows and events uh, or sessions at other places. So I'm, I do a lot of public speaking on behalf of ISSA. Um, I'll do webinars on behalf of ISSA. I co-host a podcast uh, called Trainers Talking Truths with my co-host Jenny, So, and which Pat, you were on. Yeah. Uh, right after we met, couldn't wait to have you on there. So, I do that. And then, uh, you know, uh, I work with health clubs a lot. I also chair a personal training roundtable with leaders in personal training from all over the country. Um, gosh, it just keeps going. I do instructor development workshops. Um, I sell, of course, and service uh, our constituents. And I work with colleges, institutions, academies to get them our education and to train their instructors to teach our education. So, a little bit about everything?
0: So if you're a, someone who's looking to get into the fitness space and they want to get their education, what, I guess, talk about what ISSA brings versus like all the competition out there like that, where they could pick, like what sort of differentiate you guys for for someone who's listening?
1: You know, I'm. I mentioned the word sales, and so uh, you know, the the logical thing is for me to tell you how we're the best, and we are the best, and I'll tell you why we're the best, and then I'll tell you kind of what what the the playing field looks like. All of the the good brands um, out there, the the science is pretty much the same. It's very similar, right? Same bones, same muscles, same energy systems, same digestive system. Same uh, Q variables, sets, reps, intensity, et cetera, to achieve a certain goal. Sometimes they're written slightly differently with different models. I would submit that they're all good. Um, I, what we bring that's slightly different is, well, it, it is different, is a, actually very recent, and that is our training model where we really focus on the person in front of us, We it purpose-driven training model, where we focus on the what I call the human being inside the human body. So how to build a relationship, how to build a rapport, and how to truly listen to them and connect with them and create a workout that's 100% in alignment with what they do and don't want to do and why they want to do it and by when they want to achieve it, etc. So that's unique. The other thing that ISSA does heads and tails above everybody else is service. We are by far the number one rated and reviewed certification in the fitness space. And, uh, the, 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 the growth that we've experienced because of that is the proof in the pudding. We are the largest supplier certifications in the, in the, the states now because of that service. So, uh, that's the foundational level of certified personal trainer. So, you know, you asked about getting into the industry. Absolutely. Uh, ours is, uh, you know, the best The the certification, <laughs> the service you're going to get, you're going to get everything you need to be successful and all the health clubs out there take it. So that's a starting point from an education perspective.
0: Okay. And um, when people are are in the fitness space and we wanted to talk about it, what makes or breaks someone's longevity? Like, so if someone's getting into this and like, well, how do I make it in the industry if they're brand new or if they're, they're seasoned and, you know, they worry about that part of it.
1: Ah, there it is again, Pat. So check this out, man. So (laughs) over the last year... I think it's been about a year, maybe a little more. I've had requests when I'm doing speaking. I'm like, what do you want me to talk about? You know, I'm having you know, I've got presentations, here's a list of a dozen of them, or I can write some new topics. They started asking me to talk about longevity in the fitness industry. And the light bulb, come on. They're telling me I'm old, man. So <laughs> uh, so I, so but it is a very good question. And I would say what creates longevity starts with creating a career in it. So how do you even become successful in the world of training, personal training? You got to have a freaking personality, man. You got to be able to talk to people. You have to be able to look someone in the eye and give them a good firm handshake, ask them how they're doing and shut up and listen to them talk instead of talking about how amazing you are. You have to have the ability to empathize and connect with people. You need to be early, not on time. You need to be prepared. You need to have plan, plan their training well in advance. So... Their structure, that's something I brought with me from my old career, which I believe made me so successful in the personal training field, was that professionalism and preparation. So if you have preparation, professionalism, and a freaking personality, you've got what it takes. Get the certification, whether or not you have a graduate, undergraduate degree in exercise science, that's a bonus, but that is not the indicator of success, having hired hundreds of trainers and trained thousands all over the world. It's your personality and your work ethic that's going to dial it in. And I would submit to you that that's the longevity of it, too, is it has to be something, obviously, that you believe in and you're passionate about. For me personally, fitness saved my life. Um, that's that's very, you know, uh, rooted deep within me, and I want to be able to spread that message. But beyond that, it's those same things. You need to be prepared. You need to be professional, and you need to have a personality. And, and sky's the limit, whether you want to promote, you want to work in academics, you want to work in education like I do, you want to work in health clubs, you want to manage health clubs, or you want to be a special highly specialized trainer training youth or training seniors, any of those will make you a great living, but you have to have those three Ps. By the way, I didn't have those three Ps before this podcast. I just came up with them, and I, I think I'm going to write them down because, <laughs> uh, yeah, I usually find a different way to say the same thing. So we just coined the three Ps, Pat.
0: That's perfect. that in the, the teaser in the beginning, the, the the three P's of longevity.
1: Yeah. Preparedness, professionalism and personality. I like it.
0: Well, that's, so that's awesome for people like what they should do. What, what do you find at either yourself personally or what I say, say talks about is like, what are some of the common mistakes people make in the fitness industry?
1: Oh man. Uh, great question, Pat. Um, Let me rattle off a few. So I would say the biggest mistake number one for somebody just getting into it, because we sell them a dream. All right. You call our phone salespeople, they're gonna tell you how awesome it is being a personal training, how you trainer, how you can change lives, how you can wear comfortable clothes every day, and you get a free gem membership. Um and, and that is all true. But when you actually get the certification and you go to work, what's not waiting for you is a bunch of clients. Yeah, You actually have to work for it. And so I think the mistake number one is thinking, just because I have this certificate, I suddenly have a business. Just like you building your business, it's a grind. And you yeah. have to have leads and you have to connect with people. You have to make price presentations. You have to make sales. Uh, that's that's the part that they don't realize. That becomes a big aha moment. And uh, seven out of 10 trainers quit within the first three months. Wow, Seven out of 10. They're, they're like, nope, this isn't working for me because they don't realize the importance of that tied into their, their lack of success. So another mistake is what I mentioned earlier is not listening and connecting to people. And I was guilty of all these things, by the way. Um, I, I didn't realize any of them. I learned the hard way, but not connecting with people and um, making it about you. So when I started personal training, although I had a pretty long resume of training and I like to say enough certifications to wallpaper my office it i was not a personal trainer i was brand new at that and i never sold anything but my kids uh candy bars for school i didn't know how to ask i worked for the government man you know we just spend your money we don't make any money so you pay us and and i i had no idea of that concept and so i was i lacked confidence and so i would talk about myself i lost this much weight I helped this person do this. I have this certification. I have this certification. I have this education. Guess what? They don't care. It says personal trainer on your name tag. They figured you got the qualifications. What they want to know is, are you going to listen to them? Yeah, That's the single biggest mistake trainers make, in my opinion, uh, early on and often uh, continuously. And the difference between those that are successful and those that aren't.
0: I think that's super helpful. Um, even, even listening, like, I think that's very common in like finance as well. Like you go through all the education programs and then they're like, all right, you're smart enough now, go ahead. And you're like, I don't have any clients. Like, what do I do? like, that's not our problem. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. And you know, for example, uh, for the record, Pat is not my financial advisor only because I already had one, He's a <laughs> dear friend of mine. Who's the guy that did 30 minutes in 30 days, but I asked Wayne. Hey, would you do our start doing it? Not because of his Wall Street experience or whatever education he had. I didn't even, I didn't ask him. Yeah. He's a financial advisor. He's a CPA. He's got a business. That means he's a professional. He knows what he's doing. I I just want to know: is this guy gonna return my calls? Is he gonna connect with me? Is he gonna do some small talk or is it gonna be all business? Because I want to know who you are and connect with you as a person. And he checks all those boxes, as says Pat it's not where you came from or what, you know, it, you know, what it's it, the, the shoot, I just drew a blank on her name, but, um, I, I, I like to say it's not, uh, how you, what is that? Uh, what's that saying Maya Aju or something is her name, but people f- forget what you say. People f- will forget what you do, but they will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. That's the key.
0: I did she say, I think some people attribute that to Oprah, but I think it's no, it's Maya Angelou. Oh, okay. The poet. Yeah. No, but I've heard that. I I agree. People will never forget how you made them feel. Yeah. And that's personal training. And
1: that's, I would submit business. Uh, The great business, I'm bad at remembering names, but the guy that's written a bazillion books about leadership and business, kind of one of the gurus out there says, what is the purpose of a business? It's to gain and retain customers, gain and retain clients. Keyword retention. Yeah, Uh, Gaining and retaining is going to be uh, being able to connect with those folks and and being likable, frankly. Now, there is a difference, and I'll just point this out quickly, kind of, and that is training athletes or training like I used to in police and fire academies or uh, military. They don't have to like you. You just tell them what to do and they do it. So if you're a a high-level athlete where the college or the pro sports team is providing your trainers, you just do what they tell you to do because you know it's going to improve your performance. You may not even like that um same same could be said for for definitely in the military and law enforcement i mean you want to be kind of likable but you don't you just say do it they say yes sir and they do it if they don't they're out uh in the private world you need to build relationships and they do need to like you
0: yeah at at i I made it (laughs) (laughs) i think everyone here is probably loving your story like i know i sure am um And I say, what would, I don't know if they track it. Do you know what percentage go through your program and go to a commercial gym versus immediately go into the online coaching?
1: Hey, you know, that's, so that's a number, Pat, that has drastically changed. And I love that you asked it. So pre-pandemic, I I know that's a thing. Uh, (laughs) I don't know the numbers, but if I were to venture a guess, just based on the years I have in education in gyms, I would say about 75% or more of folks registering or signing up for a CPT certified personal trainer plan to work in a gym because it's an unlimited supply of clients. It's kind of where personal trainers live. Now it's 70. Last time we did a little survey, it was over 70% want to do their own thing. They don't want to work in a gym. So we're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, solopreneur, I think is the term folks that want to build their own business and whether it's virtual or in person or hybrid, um, that's what we're seeing which was to the detriment of health clubs, because they're hurting for staffing right now. They are hurting like they have never hurt before. That was my last call before this podcast was how do we get more trainers? Um, But now my prediction is it's going to start to swing back a bit, because as we talked about, passion is great. But if you don't know how to run a business, you Don't know how all that the things that you help people with, in fact, on our podcast, talking about how to organize your money and do your taxes and separate things that on top of marketing and uh, you know, selling and retaining all of that part of the business and realizing you're going to be eating top ramen again, um, until you make it that will deter a lot of these folks. I think the Instagram wave of uh whatever they call it influencers has created a lot of people that think they too can make it big so i think it'll swing back a bit but it'll never be like it was
0: what are your thoughts or issa's thoughts on because i had a guest on here i forget when but he was like he was a big advocate that people should immediately get their certification and go into the gym he thought that was valuable to like get the reps in of like training people in person, because I think his concern was like, a lot of online people who have never trained someone in, quote unquote, in real life. And so obviously that's his opinion, but I'd love to get your opinion on that.
1: Agree 100%, agree 100%.
0: Uh,
1: And even if it's not online, let's say you want to do your own business in person, but you're training somebody in their home. Uh, You know, I did that for a little while, experimented with that for a very short time. And then I supplemented working at the gym with that for a short time. Uh, absolutely agree with that 100%. The, the, the bonus about working at a gym, well, there's many, but there's two things that are really awesome. Number one, you have an, an unlimited supply of prospects. Sure. You know, a, a gym has anywhere from one to 20,000 members, and you have an, an unlimited supply of people that you can connect with and try to impress upon the value of your services. And the second part is the diversity in that. So there are seniors, there are youth, there's certainly uh, men and women, there's folks that have had hip replacements, shoulder replacements, arthritis, you have athletes, you have the whole spectrum of people in that gym. So A, you level up your education. For example, I started training people with uh, shoulder and hip replacements. I needed to get education on how to train those people. So you level up your education and B, you find out who you do and don't like to work so i personally do not like training youth and i don't enjoy training seniors however let me tell you if you're trying to make a living those are those are massive opportunities to make a crap load of money both of those i'm a i'm a dad i pay god knows how much money every year for sports and training for my kids and parents will open their wallet every single time but when you ask them to open their wallet for their own fitness, that sucker stays closed. <laughs> so there's youth and seniors in that, but I I decided it wasn't for me. I stuck with what, and I don't like training athletes. Yeah. Um, can I? Yes, but do I enjoy it? No, I actually like general health and weight loss clients because of you know, personal family history, my own journey. That's my passion. So you will determine what you really gravitate towards so that you then can build your business, focusing on the people you think you can be- make the biggest impact on.
0: I think that's fantastic information. What So as we wrap up, where can people, if they're interested in learning more about you or if they want to click a link or something like that for ISSA, if they're interested in that, what would be the next step or what would, where can people find you?
1: Yeah. Thanks. I am not a social media guy much. Uh, yes. That's part of that longevity thing. <laughs> I do have a Facebook page um that I mostly is family stuff I don't put a whole lot of training stuff on there unless it's training my son and I do quite a bit of that and he's kind of amazing so if you want to see some cool training stuff then follow me um I have an Instagram account that I tend to forget about it's uh Dandoran Fitness I think I think that's it <laughs> um but I would say you know to connect with me here at ISSA there's a couple options first of all our website www.issaonline.com. amazing amount of education we have in all the areas. Remember I said senior and youth? We have it. In fact, we have Functional Aging Institute, a new partnership, a new acquisition of ours where you focus on seniors. So go to issaonline.com and you can find all of that information. If you wanna connect with me directly, my email is best, dduran at issaonline.com. So d-d-u-r-a-n at issaonline.com. If you uh, wanna explore partnership, with ISSA, be it a club, a solopreneur, a uh, college, an academy, I'm the person you want to connect with. So feel free to reach out. And of course, we have LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram accounts with ISSA that are regularly updated. That we put a lot of cool stuff on, especially our Instagram.
0: How can they? What is the name of your podcast so everyone can find it? You said it before, but we want I want to link to it as well. It's on the, sure, all the yeah. so yeah, it's
1: trainers talking truths. Jenny and I host it. Uh, it's been wildly successful. Uh, no, no, um, no credit to me. It's all Jenny and our guests. But it really, we have some really good stuff on there. We do a lot of myth busting. We have nutrition. We have sports performance specialists. We have you know neuroscientists. It's a real mix of content that's related to health and wellness.
0: Perfect. Well, for everyone listening, you know. I'll I'll put all these. So we have the ISSA online dan's email and then the podcast we will have links to all this in the show notes everyone so if you're driving it to write all that down
1: and and let me say this pat and i say this every time and i get to prove myself right um maybe that's part of the longevity and that is i will always respond and i will respond pretty dang quickly so if anybody has a question they want to reach out to me i will respond and i will help i will do one-on-one calls uh for people thinking about getting into fitness. My heart is in this and uh, I will connect with anyone if it allows me the opportunity to help spread the word of how exercise, wellness, nutrition can literally save your life.
0: Yeah, and I can attest to that because I met a few people at the idea event and Dan was one of the few that actually emailed back when I was like, when I followed up on all the stuff that that we talked about in real life. So he's, he's a great guy for you guys to know. Thank you, appreciate it. So are you, Pat. I appreciate that as well. Well, thank you so much. For being on build your wealth muscle thank you dan my pleasure thank you for joining us this week on build your wealth muscle the links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes